Chris, this may be the biggest heel turn I've ever seen. Far more of a swerve than Sergeant Slaughter becoming an Iraqi sympathizer leading up to the first Iraq War and WrestleMania 7. <laughs> Wait, did that really happen? It happened. <laughs> That's fucking great. I love that. <laughs> oh, it's funny now. Louise <laughs> Company. By the way, like, comment, and subscribe. It helps the algorithm. All right. People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. Be nice. That ain't working. I want you to be nice. That ain't working. And you'll both be nice. <laughs> so much as my uh, wife was a giant... But um, I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's the way you do it. <laughs> the Reese Company. Crack open a temp Genesee and watch the pictures as they travel through your neighbor's Wi-Fi. It's the Reese Company. I'm Steve Reese, the bull of American broadcasting, alongside the great Chris Morganti. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I see we have a friend here, a newcomer to the program. Um, I don't. I don't even remember how I came into possession of this thing, but uh, it's it's uh, the week before the Super Bowl, and uh, here in Philadelphia, of course, we're all excited about the Eagles and their impending win. So. I brought this. And you're showing your uh, eagle's pride. Yes. With this uh, stuffed animal. Yeah. You got, is that? All right. Well, we have a lot going on this week, so you want to get straight to it, Chris. Are you okay with this being here? Yeah, yeah I'm fine. All right. I'm fine. Right. Maybe I'll bring some of my toys next week. Well, And we can have a little play date. You know, a few months ago during the World Series, we had a Bryce Harper bobblehead here. So I thought we were just keeping the whole thing going. But okay, fair enough. All right. Fair All enough. Right. So uh, you there's, wanna... there's plenty of Legos in the studio if you need to. Uh... <laughs> That's it from what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, <clears throat> tonight, uh, very excited. Uh, our movie of the week of the week comes from a viewer's suggestion. Yeah. And we're going to get to that in just a bit. But uh, first, we have uh, uh, something you bring to the show once in a while. Anytime one of these stories occur, you bring it in and we discuss it and parse it for certain elements. Do you want to tell the folks what this is? This is a new episode of Funny or Hate Crime, where we look at a news story and we decide whether it's uh, one of four things. Either funny, a hate crime, both or neither. So let's take a look. Okay, now this story, uh, I believe, comes from Nyack, New York. Okay. And, uh, the, you know, the company Aramark? They, uh, yeah, caterers. Like caterers, food vendors, yeah. Uh, apparently, they do school lunches as well. And uh, they, they served, on the first day of Black History Month, they served chicken, fr fried chicken, and watermelon to uh, what I would have to assume is a uh, predominantly African-American school district. And uh, it caused it caused a stir, Steve. People were not best pleased. They, they well, I don't see. That's the thing is, it gets reported in the media as people are angry, right. but I'm pretty sure the people eating that food were were fine. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were quite happy to be 
Who doesn't like fried chicken and watermelon? <laughs> right. The, the the chicken is the most eaten animal in the world, I would think. Like, I, I, yeah. Now, what's your take on this whole thing? According to Ralph Williams, even vegans eat chicken. Yeah, even so vegans. Everybody yeah. enjoys. I mean, they, they're not going to have a steak. Fried chicken. But, right, right. No, right. but they, they might have turkey burgers or yeah. uh, chicken. Sure. My take on it is uh, this was the first day, I believe, of Black History Month, and that's why this was taken as an insult. Yeah. Now, do you think there was any malicious intent on the part of Aramark? Do you think there was somebody in Aramark who was like, hey, uh, they thought maybe they could get away with something here? I, I don't know. But what are they getting away with exactly? Paying tribute to a culture? Yeah. Because I think the problem people have with this is that uh, African Americans have a reputation, perhaps unfair, but a reputation nonetheless of enjoying fried chicken and watermelon. Now, if, let's say, on St. Patrick's Day, they serve ham and cabbage, right. is that considered an act of hatred against the uh, Irish? Yeah. It's more of a tribute. Yeah. A theme. And, and, and the news article that I read where I heard about this described it as a negative stereotype. I don't think that's negative How at is all. it negative to enjoy the foods that you enjoy? Right. You're just not allowed to generalize about certain groups, I, which uh, I, I think is unfair to them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think anyone eating that food was upset right. by this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so uh, I'm going with, uh, uh, oh, did you something no, go, to add go before ahead, we uh, decide no. whether it's a hate crime, funny, neither or both? Go ahead. I say neither, and people really need to grow up. Well, fair enough. But I'm going to say it's not a hate crime because it's not a crime to serve people food that they enjoy. Yes, as long as it's not tainted on purpose. Right. But I, I, it did make me laugh, which is why I brought it to the show. So <laughs> I am going to say that it is funny. So you're going with funny, and that's fair enough because, as you said, it made you laugh, and you can't argue with that. Right. All right. So uh, shall we move on to our movie of the week of the week? All right. Yeah, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, this comes from a viewer suggestion. And who is that viewer? That's a Mike in Illinois, who is a kind supporter of whatever you call what it is we do here. He asked us to review Yesterday's Child, which aired on uh, February 3rd, 1977 on the Columbia Broadcasting System. It's based on the 1967 novel Night of Clear Choice by Doris Miles Disney. It stars Shirley Jones, who's best known as the fictional maker, matriarch of the Partridge family. Yeah. Claude Akins, who you may know as uh, Sheriff Lobo, the Amco commercials, or our coverage of the made-for-TV film The Death Squad. Who's, who is this? Claude Akins. He was the dad? He was the dad in this movie, yeah. Yeah, okay. we're about All to right. discuss, right. yeah. And also introducing Stephanie Zimbalist who would go on to co-star with Pierce Brosnan in TV's Remington Steel. Now, on the a night And also aired, uh, John Wayne's son. Yes, he also makes an appearance. Uh, yeah. Patrick. Yeah. And uh, I believe you're going to have a lot to say about him. Yeah, not a lot. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> now, on the night this movie aired, uh, folks viewed it on state-of-the-art audio-visual equipment. Now, it wasn't stellar, but it was adequate for its time. Yet, for some reason, in the 21st century... The only available version is a YouTube upload with the picture quality of a kinescope from a Soviet broadcast that aired during a typhoon. Mm -hmm. 
So please bear with us on the quality. We'll talk you through it. It's the audio quality that really got to me. And also, I guess we'll get into it later, but apparently we're missing about 10 minutes of this movie. That's so a possibility. It, yeah. se- it seems really unfair, the rate, the, whatever rating we give it. We haven't seen the whole movie. We're just kind of guessing at whatever. But yeah, So let's just dive right into this. As the film begins, Shirley, she's running through the park looking for her three-year-old daughter. And she won. Soon after, we see uh, Shirley's husband, and he's barely seen in this movie, although everything is barely seen in this recording of it. <laughs> you know, Steve, I just want to point out in that prior scene, they, they, they got a creepy guy, that, that guy that you yeah, see in there. The in dog the walker. They, they got a creepy guy to kind of set a creepy mood, but you'll, you'll never see that guy again. He was nobody. He yeah, was, he, he's off the clock from He was on. just a pedestrian walking by. <clears throat> Now, if you look closely, you can see uh, bumps on this guy's face, uh, Shirley's husband. Okay. As though uh, he's a burn victim. And he's in a wheelchair to boot, which probably means he's also a victim of poor service at practically every Pittsburgh dining establishment. Yeah. Let's take a look. I should have delivered the money myself. Please, no. God's sake, no. What difference would that make? I am the father. I put the money exactly where he told me, Noel, $100,000. Why isn't she here? She'll be here. She'll be here. She's not old enough to provide any description of him. She represents no threat to him. Why should he harm her? He told me that he'd bring her here tonight. He sounded sincere, and I believed him. I believed him. I still do. It's my fault. Laura. No one's blaming you. Send for the police. No, please. Let's, let's wait a little longer. It's no use, Laura. My granddaughter's not coming back. Yeah. So the girl was apparently kidnapped and held for ransom. And it seems her, cap- her captor was one of those unscrupulous kidnappers who didn't live up to his end of the deal. So, although they didn't call the police, I hope they at least called the Better Business Bureau. Okay. <laughs> Fourteen years pass, and a woman lay dying in a California hospital. Claude Akins, he's her husband, he's at her side, and she calls for her daughter, who is played by Stephanie Zimbalist. Cliff. Sure. You do it. About the locket. Yeah. Now, as we just kind of heard, Claude promises to tell Stephanie about some locket. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have to because rifling through her mother's things, Stephanie finds it herself. Mm -hmm. 
Give me that. There's pictures inside. A man and a woman. You recognize them? How about the locket? I never saw it before. You don't remember wearing it as a kid? No. What did Mother tell you about it? I told you it was nothing for you to worry about. Now, don't poke around in your mother's things. Yeah, well, this locket causes quite a stir, huh, Chris? Mm-hmm. The Talbot family, see, they're uh, Shirley's clan with the girl who was kidnapped, and she would now be 17 years old. They hear about the girl who has this locket somehow through the police department. I'm not clear on that. So the Talbots pay Claude a visit, and he tells them what he knows. Now, Steve, you have... Uh Eight pages of notes on this movie, right? Is that correct. Yeah, yeah. It's only a sixty-eight minute movie, <laughs> right? So I've done some math in my head, and that's a that's a page for every eight point two minutes. So that's <laughs> all right. There's a lot going on that I think needs to be examined in order to fully grasp everything that takes place here. And yet, there's parts that we haven't seen. It's mind-boggling. That okay. <laughs> all right. Let's hear Claude's explanation. Well, he told me her kid had died. When she was a baby. Could it have been 14 years ago, Mr. Say 1963. Yeah, it could have been. Well, he told me that she was just... just out of her mind. That, that kid was the only thing she had, so... She got in the car and she just started driving from place to place. She was driving on a back road near Santa Barbara when she saw this little girl crying. She couldn't get anything out of her except that her name was Ann and, and somebody had just left her there. Oh, and she was wearing this. It's Ann's. Yeah. Now, it's hard to imagine now, Chris, but before DNA testing or any kind of credible forensic science, locket possession was ironclad proof of one's parentage. Yeah. You know what else shows a difference in the times is uh, that guy was wearing a suit. And uh, I'm pretty sure, isn't he a car mechanic? He is indeed, yeah. Yeah, and he's wearing a suit. <laughs> That's not well, some- maybe he was going to a baseball game later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but lockets were key evidence in court cases, and uh, they served the dual purposes of fashion accessories slash legal documents. So if you had difficulty following that scene, considering the source material, Claude claims his late wife found a little girl hysterical at a roadside, Mm -hmm. uh, took her in, raised her as her own. And the story he tells here leads the Talbots to consider that Anne had been set free by her captor, picked up by Claude's wife, and lived under a different identity for the intervening 14 years. That's, of course, all circumstantial until you factor in the locket. So Stephanie is at first reluctant to meet her long-lost family. Here, she makes her entrance before them. You must be overwhelmed by all of this. At least we've had some time to get adjusted to the possibility. I love my mother. And no matter what she said when she was dying, or what that locket means, 
I don't believe I'm your daughter. Yeah, now as you mentioned, Chris, Claude, he's an auto mechanic. Right. Shirley is very much not. She's a pharmaceutical heiress. So her charred, wheelchair-bound husband has since died. Yeah. And if Stephanie becomes accepted as a Talbot, she stands to gain a cut of the family fortune. And this is not far from the mind of Shirley's brother-in-law, John. He has a son of his own who may someday have to share any inheritance with the newcomer. Yeah. The newcomer, uh, Stephanie, she goes to stay with the Talbots. But she's not the only guest of theirs. Sanford Grant, the tennis instructor, and uh, Shirley's love interest, he's also in the mix. You want to say something about him, Chris? Well, I think we should see this. See the scene. Okay. Before we, uh... Good morning. Good morning. Did you sleep well? Yes, fine. Good. Oh, hi. Oh, uh, Anne, this is Sanford Grant, Aunt Henry. Yeah. Oh. Rita, give Anne some breakfast. Thank you, Rita. Sandy and I are going to play a set or two. Would you like to join us? Oh, I think I'd better get settled first. Well, you play tennis? I played in high school. Well, then I'd like to offer my services. As what? <laughs> Instructor. You're all booked up. <laughs> Excuse me. Hey. Don't let him get to you. He lives up under a microscope. Well, you are. But not with me. Thanks. So just take it easy, huh? Remember, the offer still stands for tennis or whatever. Just say the word. Now, I guess it's growing up as John Wayne's son that gives you the confidence to proposition a woman in front of her entire family for, <laughs> for sexual activity. I mean, this guy walks in and says, hey, uh, I can offer you a tennis lesson or an hour of cunnilingus. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, you want to work on your backhand or you want to have a mind-bending orgasm? I, they, they they end up in uh, a romantic relationship, which we'll see in the in the next part here. Sadly, you and Laura. Tennis partners. Is that all? That's all. In that case. like yeah that that phantom hand that closes the door yeah i think it was I, I had to watch it like four or five times well actually when they introduced the character i had to watch it four or five times because i thought they were calling him handsome grant <laughs> instead of sanford grant but that's just the sound called but i think what they were doing in that scene was it was shot uh the mirror was behind the door and what you were seeing was a reflection and that's why the hand came from the opposite side and yeah, it made it look like there was some dude in there. Like, all right, it's, uh, <laughs> like he was watching. He said, "All right, let's shut the door." And watch. Yeah, it was very weird. Well, your know. explanation makes perfect sense. I, that's the only I watched it five times, and that's the only <laughs> explanation I can come up with. Yeah, I couldn't make any sense of it. So uh, you've seen him earlier, but there's a police lieutenant uh, somehow involved with the family. I guess he's uh, conducting an ongoing investigation into the kidnapping. From 14 years prior? Yeah, we're, we're unclear if he's a member of the local police who they are hiring on the side or 
something else. I don't. Uh, well, every you have a you have a lieutenant. The Morganis have a lieutenant, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he he provides occasional updates, and 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 at this point, he's investigating, I guess, Stephanie's identity. Yeah, he's trying to figure out whether or not she really is the heiress to this fortune, right? And the timing of everything that Claude laid out when uh, they came to meet him, it appears to be valid. A woman returning to her hometown after a long absence with a three-year-old girl around the time of the kidnapping, it kind of adds up and, uh, and time-wise matches up perfectly. Um, again, all circumstantial, but that seems to be enough to uh, conv- convince the matriarch, uh, old woman Talbot. But uh, Shirley's brother-in-law, Joe, Again, he doesn't want another finger in the family pie, so he's against the idea of Stephanie being Anne. Wait, brother-in-law? Yes, it's not her brother. No, it's not her brother. She's the is she her she's the widow of his brother. So her sister is also dead, in addition to her father. I don't know anything about a sister. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, maybe I missed something. Wouldn't Wouldn't it have been less confusing to just have it be her brother? I, I if you were writing this, Steve, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, there's so much going on here. This is why I have eight pages of notes, and this is what I could figure out. This is why a lot of uh, Agatha Christie novels they have a, a character list in front of in the, at the very beginning of the novel, <laughs> just, just so you can keep track straight. of who's related to who. And, right. Yeah. Well, although it, it, she could have made it clear to everybody if she'd been a better writer. <laughs> <laughs> well, she wanted I mean, to be part a, of her job is to get the story across and the characters. But she wanted her. to be a singer, Steve. That's that's why. <laughs> that's what we yeah. learned from uh, previous. Uh, that's yeah. what we learned from Reba McIntyre. Yeah, and I take her word on anything uh, involving uh, <laughs> literature for sure. <clears throat> All right, so uh, where were we? Yeah, um, Joe. He's the brother-in-law. He tries to uh, sway Shirley's acceptance of Stephanie as a Talbot and sabotage. Stephanie's comfort in her new surroundings. Let's see this. Back to back, he does you know, this. You accept that girl as your daughter. It cuts you out of the Talbot Trust, don't you? You think I care about the will if she really is my daughter? Oh, I'm sure. Look at them. They look pretty good together, don't they? Two young people enjoying themselves. Well, you have nothing to worry about, Laura, I'm sure. You look pretty good for your age. He may Ouch. even find you attractive without your mother. Ooh. Tomorrow? I can if you can. Can I have high hopes for you? As what? We'll talk about that. Again. Again, the sexual innuendo, Steve. Yes, thank you. Good. I want you to enjoy a visit. So long as it's just that, a visit. You're not here permanently, Miss Henley. What do you mean? Well, you know, a young girl... Might be impressed by all this big house, tennis court, swing pool, all the things my brother's money can buy. Oh, I'm not here because of the money. Good, then you won't be disappointed when you don't get any of it. Yeah. Now that's Joe. He's the brother in law of Shirley. Okay. Now he has a son called Seth, and Seth's portion of the Talbot riches would be affected if Stephanie were to officially be recognized. As an heiress. Yeah. And, th- and that scene is notable for one other reason, Steve, which is that uh, they set up this whole romance of what's what's the lead character's name? Uh, the, the girl. The, the girl is Anne. Anne. Yes. Anne and Sanford Grant. They set up this whole romance thing. Uh, that'll be the last scene you ever see him in again. Yeah. It, it's just, 
completely abandoned. Again, we lost ten minutes of this movie apparently, but that 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 plot line dies at that scene. Yeah, but I believe this was uh, this film was made by Rosemary Woods Productions, so that kind of makes sense. <laughs> <clears throat> so since Stephanie arrived at the estate, strange occurrences have abounded. Uh, a blue teddy bear, said to be a favorite of hers when she lived there as a toddler. That bear was hanged by her bedpost as though executed. Uh-huh. And also messages defaming her character have been appearing in lipstick on her bedroom mirror. She believes Seth, her uh, quote-unquote cousin, perhaps cousin, who even knows, she believes Seth is behind these incidents. So one night she chases him down and confronts oh, you, him. You made him upset when you're talking about hanging the teddy bear. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, yeah. it's in a work of fiction. It's in a work of fiction. Oh, We're just portraying... Uh, menacing behavior. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, let's take a look at Anne or Stephanie. Um, I mean, confronting Seth. I'm warning you, Seth. I don't want to cause any trouble, but I'm going to tell someone if you keep it up. Go ahead. The old lady'd love an excuse to tear into me, especially now that you're back. I don't believe that. Let me tell you something. When I was six, I was brought over to see her. My mother was alive then. I heard my grandmother and Uncle Noel talking about you. It was when they'd found that kid's skeleton. At first, they thought it was yours. And Grandma said, if one of them had to be kidnapped, why couldn't it have been set? Yeah, so that's a key piece right there. Yeah, and can I point out, I don't know what that actor was going for, but thumbs down, whatever it was. Really? You don't think it was autism? That was... uh, is that what he was going for? That's, that's what I think that character represents. Yeah, okay. he's um, somehow on the spectrum. They wouldn't have said it at the time. Yeah, okay. But he's not, I, I wouldn't say slow, but uh, perhaps gifted and unsocial. Okay. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So there's a key piece right there. There was a skeleton discovered at one point, thought to be the remains of the kidnapped Talbot girl. That seemed to satisfy most that she was no longer alive, but probably not everyone. It's been a while since we've seen Claude Akins, but he's still knocking about the periphery. After all, the girl in question is a girl he helped raise. For all intents and purposes, he is her father. So here... Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. (laughs) You know that scene in the Blues Brothers where they're in the apartment by the L? Uh, So here Claude Akins meets with the elder Talbot. I just don't know what to say about this, Mr. Talbot. $50,000? We never ascended the reward, Mr. Hadley. Yeah, but seeing as how it was Marie who kept the kid. But you're not responsible for something your wife did before you met her. Still. You made a great sacrifice at giving up, Anne. Well, just so you don't think that this is what I did it for. Of course not. I would never think that, Mr. Hadley. Why, how in the world would you have ever known that there was a reward? Miss Talbot, I'm thinking about moving a little closer. I just want to point out again, he's still he's still wearing a suit. I, well, he's in dignified surroundings now. He wants to look the part. He wants I, to rise. I think to that's the I think that's what it is. Is he he figures if he needs to go to the Talbot home, he needs to dress up for the occasion. Yes, even though the first time we uh, we saw him meeting with them, it, it was at his residence. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But I guess he wanted to present himself as worthy of their respect. Worthy as a peer. Do you think we've lost something as a society, Steve? Because I think we have. People fail. People don't 
attempt to rise. Pe- people they want to bring everybody people down. People go out to dinner in their pajamas now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, Claude does move closer. He moves into a modest home, um, not nearby to the Talbots, but uh, in the area. So Stephanie visits him regularly, and she seems to have found a comfortable balance between her old life and her new one. Part of her new life involves... I would, I would yeah. call it an uncomfortable balance based on all the scenes that we see, but some sort of balance. Yeah. Well, the, the way I see it is we see her visiting her father, and she's home with the Talbots, and it, it seems that uh, she's able to do both without being uncomfortable at either. Yeah. I mean, I guess the uncomfortable... Um, comfortability comes from her, discomfort. Her, she lost. Yeah, yeah, there you go. She lost her mom, and I guess that's a lot of the scenes where she's with her dad is she just lost. Well, maybe not her mom, but who she believed was her mom. Right, right. Yeah. The woman who raised her. Yeah, the woman who raised her. Yeah. Now, uh, part of her new life involves entering college, and for this purpose, she undergoes a physical exam. The doctor makes a discovery, and as Sartre might say, all other people is about to break loose. Spina bifida. One of those atypical cases where it can't be seen. Congenital, weak spot in the spine. Sometimes they break out, but it hasn't with Anne. Did you know she had it? Oh, yes, I'd forgotten all about it. Her pediatrician said it was such a small thing, I, I never thought to mention it. Yeah, it's that kind of hole in your spine that doesn't really affect your life at all, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's a shocking revelation. And uh, I, I've always felt that spina bifida was like, whoever came up with that name, like, were they just, <laughs> I don't know, your spine's messed up. Let's call it spine, <laughs> spine biffed up. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> they didn't really put much thought into it. <laughs> kind of like Asperger's. I don't know. You got, uh, <laughs> I got Asperger's. I don't know. But I understand. Uh, also, them. I just want to point out, Michael Donald just peaced out without, you know, M- Michael Donald was, uh, in studio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We had a studio audience of one, like yeah. he used to have on the old Alan Havey show, which was uh, quite nice. But he just peaced out with a, you know, a wave. Yeah. yeah All right. We'll see you next time, Mike. Would have been nice. <laughs> would have been nice. Well, uh, good night to Mike. Um, yeah, spina bifida. But the doctor is right to be kind of dismissive of it because uh, it is that sort of thing. Chris, I get it every year, you know, during spina bifida season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> even when I get the shot, I still, but then after a week and a half, I'm match fit. Sure. <laughs> so unlike a lot of mystery or suspense thrillers we watch, this film really only has one twist. <laughs> but then things just don't stop. Wait, is that a pun? No. The twist like a spine? No, no. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you're going for. Okay, let, let's see where the twist begins. And this twist continues basically for the rest of the film. Sure. Good for everybody. I want to know who she is. Who is she? Your loving daughter. Spina bifida. What? A weakness in the spine, congenital. That means she was born with it. So? My daughter didn't have any birth defects. She does now. That girl's Anne Henley. Yeah. She's Marie's kid. Before she died, 
I told Marie that locket would take care of Anne for the rest of her life. So? And Todd and Anne Henley, they're both the same? Like hell they are. You got no choice. Right. Yeah. And why has she got no choice, Chris? Because of the locket? <laughs> yeah, there's a locket involved. But right. it turns out Shirley knows more about her daughter's disappearance than she's let on for more than a decade. Yes. Let's, uh, let's see where this continues. My daughter's dead. Isn't she? <gasps> you want to know, lady? You killed her. You're lying! You're lying! You made your choice that night. Your husband's money or your child's life. It's a lie! It's not a lie. What about the pills you gave me? One was enough. She said, give her two. Just make sure that she's asleep when you collect the money. How many pills did you give her in the park? You killed your daughter and you used me to do it. Your own daughter. I hated her. Hated her. Hated the way she felt. I tried to get it out of me. And he wouldn't let me. I never wanted that child. He forced me. Yeah. That's messed up. Yeah. Any way you slice it, that's messed up. the whole situation here. Yeah. So in case you uh, didn't follow, Shirley and Claude were once lovers. And she roped him into a kidnapping slash murder plot to make her daughter disappear. But he didn't know it was, he thought it was just a kidnapping plot. Right. Yeah. Right. He, he gave her pills that she insisted he give. He's implying that she, he, that she gave the daughter pills prior to him giving her pills, and that caused the overdose. Okay, see, that, that I wasn't even uh, clear on. Yeah. See, he said one was enough, but you told me to give her two, and then you probably gave her some before that, so... Yeah, that's messed up that somebody, well, whatever. Well, this is all backfiring on Shirley now, as Claude has presented his late wife's daughter as Shirley's long-missing one. Right. And it appears as though there's nothing she can do about it. She can either accept Stephanie as, as her own and the loss of inheritance that would go along with it, or confess to conspiracy to murder. Or uh, a third path you could take is to... Uh Whatever we're going to see, which <laughs> I don't, we, have we decided what we think happened? I, I think, movie? well, I'm going to explain what I think happens all at right, the end. Right. And then you can decide yeah. whether you agree, disagree, or have another theory. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's see as Shirley continues airing her grievances about her late husband and late daughter. Night of the fire, he went straight to her. Never thought of me. No, no. And I was stuck with a hopeless cripple and a whiny brat. How much money did your husband leave Ann? The old lady's worth millions. You don't make waves, Laura. We can all have a good life. No way. I waited 14 long years, and it's mine. It's all mine. You better get her out of my life. I'll remember that my baby didn't have any birth defects. 
It's your word against mine. Who are they going to believe? Me. Because how would I know way out in Carpinteria that that kid even existed? Unless somebody told me. They'll remember that. And they'll remember that you were with her the day she was snatched. She's your daughter. Can we pause it? Now, we'll notice, Steve, in this scene, he, he's dressed down because he's at home. But he's still wearing, I guess, a, a sport coat or a smoking jacket or something of that. Is, is that not a cardigan? Is that what it is? It's. I mean, the, it, we, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. You're stuck with us. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that exchange. Yeah. Most notably, we learned that her husband was indeed handicapped and disfigured as a result of a fire. Right. Um, he attempted to, well, he saved the daughter and didn't so much attempt to save the mother character who's in this scene here. And she resented that. So, Right. I wonder if Shirley will uh, accept that she's lost or settle for Claude's proposal that they all hang in there and divide Stephanie's eventual inheritance. Yeah. Let's find out together, shall we? Oh, boy. Yeah, so Claude's dead. So here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the 10 minutes we're missing from this movie had a better explanation as to what we just saw happen. But does it make sense that, I mean, she's a tiny woman. We've all seen the Partridge family. She probably weighs 90 pounds. Is she going to be able to restrain a professional auto mechanic of his build in order to be able to trap him inside a fake arson or not fake arson, but fake a home fire. I, I don't know. One of two things. She waits until he's asleep or she drugs him like she did her daughter. Well, you would assume that she drugged him, but why not show that then? You know, like, is that what we're missing out of this movie? I don't know. There should, there should be some explanation, I think. All right. Yeah. Well, one thing's for sure. Shirley really reveals her true character here. Going from grieving mother to a woman uh, unsure whether to trust her emotions and accept a girl who may not be her daughter after all to murderous arsonist. Chris, this may be the biggest heel turn I've ever seen. Far more of a swerve than Sergeant Slaughter becoming an Iraqi sympathizer. <laughs> Leading up to the first Iraq War and WrestleMania 7. <laughs> Wait, did that really happen? It happened. <laughs> That's fucking great. I love that. <laughs> oh, it's funny now. <laughs> <clears throat> 
So as a result of her father's death, uh, Stephanie seeks comfort in her ersatz grandmother. You just want it to be a little closer? No, he's dead. I wish you could remember your real father. Of course, you were only a baby, but you never seemed to mind the way he looked after the fire. Only you and I didn't mind. How did it start? They never found out. An ember from the fire. One of Laura's cigarettes. Well, that's enough sad talk for one night. <laughs> yeah. So, Stephanie, she gets suspicious of the official account of the fire at Claude's house. Mm -hmm. Police say he fell asleep with a cigarette, which caused the blaze. But he had told Stephanie that he recently quit smoking. Yeah. So, her surrogate grandmother dismisses Stephanie's suspicion, saying that maybe Claude had started smoking again. Reasonable explanation. Sure. But she seems kind of insistent about it. No. Trust me. He probably started smoking again. Nothing to see here. So Stephanie heads to her father's house to collect what belongings she can salvage. And Shirley meets her there. I thought you might need some help. No, but I'd love the company. How are you feeling? The same. A million bucks. <laughs> I stopped by Dr. Jordan's office and picked up some tranquilizers for you. All right, can we, can we pause it? For a day or two. Can we pause it here? Now, Steve, how many pages of notes do you have left? Um, this is our second to last. We have two pages of notes left, yeah. right? All right. Can I say, am I correct in saying this? This is official, officially where this movie goes freaking batshit crazy, right? I, I, yeah, I would, I, I would say when uh, Shirley and Claude are having their uh, little powwow, I would say that's where things start to go off the rails because we learned so much in so little time. Right, but it made sense. what they <clears throat> That scene, what we already saw, made sense. It revealed a plot in the past. Yes. And how Claude has um, manipulated that plot to benefit him and his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. But everything from this moment forward, you and I were like... <laughs> What happened? It's out of control. What, crazy. what, what are we watching? <laughs> Why are these characters doing this? We have no idea. We still don't know. Um, I have, I have some understanding. You, you have a theory. I, 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 I have a theory and which uh, I want to hear, but okay. We, we don't really know, but my theory mainly involves the grandmother. Okay. So I All don't right. know if I'll be able to answer every question you have, but I think I can at least answer some. Well, I just want to be clear to our, our audience that if you're, if you're not following, if you don't follow it from this point forward, uh, you're not alone. Yeah, so. yeah. And if you have seen this movie and you have a better understanding than we've let on, please let us know in the comments, uh, either on YouTube, on Facebook, or tweet us, and uh, let us know what you think, e even if you have a theory based on the clips we've shown you. If you can give us a better perspective on this, we'd appreciate it, because we're not sure we fully understand it. I know Chris isn't sure. Yeah. And we had a... Who was the gentleman who recommended this movie to us? Uh, Mike. Mike. Mike from Illinois. Yeah. Uh, well, Illinois. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> well, you've come to the right place, Chris. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, maybe maybe he knows because why would he recommend this if he if he? Uh, yeah, it's possible he's an expert on this film. Yeah. He just wanted to see us stumble through it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Had every other version of this, the HD version's all taken down <laughs> on every platform. <laughs> 
<laughs> just so we'd have to do a show based Deal on Deal with this, this you jerks. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, 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 he almost accidentally signed it, Ralph Williams. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I got to pick a uh, uh, Mike. Mike S. All right. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. Let's continue. But, with but we scene. do we do want recommendations. Uh, yes. And Mike, we greatly appreciate your and, input on this. And we had a we had a thought uh, last week after the show that um, and I guess we have to get in touch with Mike. At Mike. Uh, but uh, if you if you recommend a movie to the show and we end up using it for the show, you'll get a Reese Company t-shirt. Yes, once the t-shirts are available, you'll get a complimentary one. Yeah. So, send in those recommendations. Okay, uh, here's Shirley and Stephanie uh, having a little uh, chat at the remains of Claude's home. I was angry with him for giving my mother's things away. Now I'm doing the same with his. Where can I get some water? Oh, I'll get it. Where can I get some water? Okay, she doesn't want to let on that she's ever been to the house. But I think mm. being able to deduce where to find water in any first world dwelling, <laughs> it's not incriminating. Yeah. Hey, Steph, I forgot my drowsing rod, my dowsing rod. <laughs> A little help over here. Yeah, we get it. You're not acquainted with Shay Claude. Okay, the real point here is uh, she's giving her tranquilizers. Right. Now, meantime, old lady Talbot gets a call from the lieutenant. And he appears to have uncovered an association between Claude and Shirley from long ago. Now, this the old woman also dismisses as coincidence. They had a mutual friend around the same time or something to that effect. But Mrs. Talbot's dismissal isn't genuine. Suspicious. She rings Claude's home, and Shirley answers. She hears Shirley's voice. Stephanie is passed out on the couch. Now, once she hears Shirley's voice, Mrs. Talbot hangs up without a word. So after a follow-up call to the Talbot estate, which is answered by a housekeeper, mm -hmm. Shirley learns that her mother-in-law has left the house abruptly. Her destination, undisclosed. Afraid that Talbot is on her way to Claude's, Shirley douses the inside of Stephanie's car with gasoline, <laughs> And drags her unconscious body outside. You, you can't douse something in gasoline and then an hour later light it on. I don't Whatever. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> you didn't interrupt. It's, it's, so, it's so bizarre, this ending. Yeah, see, it does appear very rushed. But uh, Shirley's plot soon changes, uh, I guess, to burn Stephanie's body in the uh, gasoline-lined vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> When she sees an approaching vehicle. Her own car won't start because she doesn't have the keys. Why? Why? 
Why? So she gets into the car. She just doused with gasoline. The innards are uh, the interior is just slathered with fuel. That she, yeah, that evaporated hours ago. But sure. She just did this. She just put the ga- gasoline. No, in. she poured the gasoline in before she drove the car to remo- a remote location. What? 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 Yeah, we're on two pages Woo! as far as this goes. That looks like fun. <laughs> well, not now. <clears throat> yeah. So now Shirley's dead. Yeah. What was the grandmother trying to accomplish? Well, I have a theory on this. Okay. But first, we're going to have to check out the aftermath of this uh, whole malarkey. I was coming to meet my daughter-in-law. Apparently, she misunderstood the message and she started for home. She lost control of the car. What about her? Do you know her? Yes. Her name is Anne. Anne. Anne Talbot. She's my granddaughter. Yeah, so that's how things end. Yeah. And you're right, Chris. This movie does leave a lot to interpretation. How did the grandmother know what was going on over at Claude's? Maybe she knew all along that this was Shirley's M.O. That's what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. Or maybe she found a locket with a picture of Shirley committing arson. Yeah. Yeah, those lockets. They'll get you every time. They will. Now, here's what I think. I think the old woman knows that this girl is not her granddaughter. Okay. But sees her as a replacement for the one she lost. I get the sense that she also more than likely suspected Shirley in her daughter's disappearance, but could never prove it. Stephanie's presence in the family effectively cut Shirley out of the estate. So there's a vengeful benefit to the grandmother for insisting that um, that uh, Stephanie is a legitimate heiress. Okay. As for her insisting that Stephanie's her granddaughter after Shirley's death, Perhaps she also sees Stephanie as a replacement for the granddaughter she lost, as I mentioned. She's an orphan now, so she may as well be a Talbot. But Stephanie's claim to the family money also spites her grandson, Seth, Mm. of whom we've established she's not a fan. So anything you want to say before we rate it? Well, your explanation makes sense in a way, Steve, but you haven't explained how does she know where her door, where is she driving to? (laughs) How does she know where she is? She's driving to Claude's. Claude's? Yes, the house that burned down. How would she know that that's where they are? Well, maybe she knew where her granddaughter was it and makes, assumed that Shirley was going out there to uh, finish the job. That makes no sense. I'm sorry. That just it doesn't make any sense. Why, why, you, you hear that your daughter is cooking up a scheme, whether you knew about it beforehand or not. Your immediate thought wouldn't be, oh, I got to go get back out of that burned down house because she's probably going to kill somebody. None of it makes any freaking sense. <laughs> Here's another thing. <clears throat> hey, good news on uh, yesterday's child. Uh, we were able to cast uh, John Wayne's son in the role of uh, San- Sanford Grant. 
So uh, we figure at the end of the film, he'll ride in and save the day. Oh, no. No, just have him have him cut in the middle of act two. Okay. Yeah, got it. <laughs> this movie, I, I, again, I can't. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Was that Herb Manganus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was indeed okay. producer Herb Manganus. Just checking. Okay. But, Continue, uh, Chris. My, my apologies. But I, I can't honestly rate this movie because if we're missing 10 minutes, then maybe all this makes sense, right? Possibly. And it was entertaining, and I feel like it could have been really good. So I would have to rate it in between two and five stars, and I can't determine which it is until I see a full cut of it. Well, that would be, what, three and a half? Yeah. All right. If you wanna, so you, you, you want to split do it down the middle and say three and a half? If you want to do it that way, sure. Well, based on the theory that uh, I believe to be true about what this film, uh, how this film ends up, uh, I'm giving it two out of five. Let's just say everything I just said is exactly what the producers intended. Okay. I'm giving it two out of five. The viewers who were accustomed to seeing uh, Shirley Jones on a bus with Danny Bonaducci, mm -hmm. they probably enjoyed this departure, but mm -hmm. forgot about it halfway through the late local news. <laughs> and for me, I think seeing this movie twice filled in blanks in the plot that are easily missed. And seeing it once, as it aired, as audiences were intended to in mm -hmm. 1977, it would have made it difficult and perhaps even impossible to pick up on these plot subtleties. So I'm not sure it does its job as a made-for-TV movie of the era, hence the low rating. Okay. Uh, I think there's a good movie to be made of this story. It's, this one is just not it. And here's another thing, Steve. 60, this YouTube video was 68 minutes. That's an unusual length. Um, yeah, for a TV movie. It would be about one, an hour 35. Yeah, and I'm thinking that would be about the length if you had a 90-minute TV show accounting for commercials. Right, yeah. So my thinking was this was originally scheduled to be a two-hour movie, and for whatever reason, they needed to cut it down to 90 minutes, and that's why you have this butchery that we saw, I can only assume. But that's... That's, a, that's the best explanation of this film that I have to offer. Well, that's a fair one. Uh, anything else you'd like to say before we move on? Because uh, we have an announcement to make. We do. Yeah. I uh, know. I'm, I'm, I think we're. I think eight pages is... Uh, <laughs> you went above and beyond this week, Steve. So thank you for doing that. Well, uh, we do what we can here. <clears throat> um, it's a big, uh, big week uh, for uh, football fans in the area where we record this podcast. I don't think where the microphones are located is necessary to the content of the show. It's not, but where <clears throat> we live impacts our lives, and we bring our lives to the show. Sure. So, yeah. No, fair. I do understand that aspect right. of it. So, yeah, go on. Well, uh, next week is the Super Bowl. Right. And a team of which you're a huge fan, the Philadelphia Eagles, are participants in the competition. Now, you're a big Phillies fan. I enjoy the Phillies, yeah. Yeah. But you're not so you don't you don't like you like Canadian football solely. I, yeah, I I appreciate Canadian football much more. Solely. You're a Hamilton uh, Tie Cats, Tie Tie Cats, Tie Cats, yeah, yeah, Tiger Cats, yeah. Right. Okay. So with the Super Bowl coming up next week, uh, we have a kind of a, a the Super Bowl is a competition in itself. Mm -hmm. We have a competition between one another. We've decided to make a friendly wager between yeah, the two of us, and uh, we haven't actually worked out how we're going to do this. But I believe we have worked out the uh, what we're going to be wagering. Yeah. Right. What's at stake now? Now you see, cities do this, and when we, when Philadelphia's involved, it's always uh, they're sending cheese sticks somewhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, I don't know what's going to come back from Kansas City. I would assume a T-bone steak. I don't, I don't know. Barbecue. Barbecue. Okay, barbecue. Yeah. But um, in our case, uh, that's not going to work for us. So we've uh, we've agreed that one of us will reenact the scene from a movie, a, a former movie of the week of the week, The Loneliest Runner, uh, where the father admits to being a bedwetter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the loser of our wager will reenact that scene at our, ne- I assume, our next show. And whoever loses cannot uh, have fun with it. You have to sell it. Okay. You're adding conditions, but okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just saying you can't do it ironically or, you know, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to read these lines and yeah, look at me. I'm just uh, going through with this. No, you have to actually give a performance akin to that given by Brian Keith in The Loneliest Runner. You're absolutely right. Yes. Yep. 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 All right. So the only thing left is here's the thing. Two weeks. Yeah, you're right. It'll air. So the next show will air after the Super Bowl, but we'll record it before the Super Bowl. Okay, so yeah. yeah, it will be. It will be. Uh, yeah. Okay. But anyway, um, thanks, Jim. Um, what was I? What was I? Uh, well, you were about to uh, announce what we have to do to determine the winner uh, versus well, the loser. Well, here's the thing. You're not an Eagles fan. I am a lifelong Eagles fan, and I also think they're the better team. So it's going to be very hard for me to take a side other than the Eagles winning this, right? But I'm not going to ask you to pick the Chiefs if you don't think they're going to win. So if you also want to pick the Eagles, then we have to work something out with the spread. Or or over. we'll do an over-under, like some well, some other wager. Who gets closest to the score? The total score? The combined score? The combined score, yeah. Okay. You want to do it that way? Uh, yeah. So you're also, you are also picking the Eagles. I I am, yeah. Yeah, Okay. I think most rational people would. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, I probably should have thought this through and came up with a number, but I have, can we look, Jim, can you look up the line, the over under line on the Super Bowl, please? I already, I have mine prepared. <clears throat> We're going to uh, not Google. Surprisingly, it's Duck Duck Go. Yeah, he's a big fan of that. I don't. I, I, I guess. Well, you brought. Okay. <laughs> okay. Eagles yeah, we minus. Need, one we need and the over under. That's yeah, what we're betting yeah, on so. here. Mm. Fifty and a half points. Oh right. wow. Okay. So, how did you figure it out? Do you have a number in mind? My number uh, isn't the over-under, but you can figure it out from here. Right. I'm going uh, 31-14 Philadelphia. Oh, wow. 31-14, which is uh, 45. Um, so, I'm taking the under. Do you want to do over-under, or you just uh, how do you want to do this? Whoever's closer to the combined score. Okay. doesn't ma- The over-under doesn't matter. I okay. was just curious. but. Right. um. You're at 45. I'm going to go. Um, Twenty-eight, twenty-one. Twenty-eight, twenty-one is your. Okay, that's 49. 49. So you're actually. Uh, I'm going to go 50. And you're at what? 40. Where were you? At? I'm at 45. And I'll go 50. Okay, you'll go 50. All right, yeah. so so we did it. I have this written down. It's public record now. Or this is going in the file. Man, should I just take the Chiefs and make this easier? No, I, <laughs> I, I don't think. I don't, as you said, It'd you be don't so want to go against you know? what you think is going to happen. So 
let's not do that, and let's let's uh, settle for that. Anything we didn't talk about, you might want to talk about. Uh, no. Okay. okay. In that case, I, I think we did it uh, for Chris Morgani. I'm Steve Reese. Oh wait, wait. wait. I'm yeah. sorry. There yeah. is something. There yeah. is something. Um, we so we do the movie of the week of the week, and I don't know what we're going to do next week. We haven't figured that out yet. But there was a movie. Uh, I fell asleep watching uh, Yesterday's Child, as I often do. You're kidding. Yeah. And uh, and when I woke up, there was another movie on. And uh, normally I would just turn the TV off and whatever. But I was I was seeing it, and I'm like, man, this looks really good. And I I watched like maybe twenty to thirty minutes of it as I woke up, and I'm like, this is a really really good movie. So I went back the next night and watched it, and um, I sent it to you, and I told you this movie is it won seven Oscars in 1946. It's called um, <laughs> the best years of our lives. The best years of our lives, yes. And uh, I want to talk about it on the show because it's 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 one of the best movies I've ever seen, and it's I mean, how often do you see a movie that you would put in that category? Right. Right. Um, I think it's been 10 years since I've seen one that I would put in that category. Do you remember the last one? Uh, Boyhood, the Richard Linkletter movie, which is, if anyone has, we could talk about that too, but, um, it's that, it's that good. And I feel like, you know, much like we talked about the Beatles documentary, um, as something that we really appreciate and love rather than something we're looking at critically. Yeah. Like, pr- like, providing an alternative to just being snarky, as the kids say. Yeah. About uh, things that weren't really made for us. They yeah. were made for a different era. Yeah. So when you get a chance to watch that, and uh, we'll talk about that. So, Okay. In that case, uh, I think we did it. Have we done it? I think so. Let's call it. I'm Steve Reese. Ask me. Ask you Wawa. Holly McAnow. Eagles. Tigers. Eagles. Eat them raw. We did it. Fast cast is next. Next. <laughs>